From Washington, D.C. and around the world, this is Government Matters with Mimi Gerges. This is Government Matters, the only show covering the latest news trends and topics that matter to the business of government. I'm Mimi Gerges. The Pentagon says that higher salaries and more expensive weapons are likely just around the corner as the Pentagon faces the largest inflation spike in three decades. This comes as Congress is more than a month late to pass the Pentagon's fiscal 2022 budget proposal. Now spending is frozen at the fiscal 2021 budget level, but the Pentagon can still ask Congress for emergency funding. A new survey out from Black Kite found that 20% of the United States' top defense contractors are highly susceptible to ransomware attacks. And more than 40% of them have already been targeted by data breaches in 2020. Black Kite says that cyber criminals are targeting infrastructure now more than ever. The Technology Modernization Fund Board announced that it will be considering three projects from the Department of Energy. The DOE said that its projects relate to IT infrastructure and cybersecurity. The TMF board has recently received a $1 billion infusion from the American Rescue Plan. Congress is about to task agencies with implementing the new infrastructure plan. That plan will increase the amount of money agencies are managing for infrastructure spending. Robert Shea is former associate director at the Office of Management and Budget. He's currently national managing principal for public policy at Grant Thornton. Robert, nice to see you again. Good to see you, Mimi. So give me an idea of which agencies are ramping up and how much money they're going to be managing. Well, the infrastructure bill uh, is about $1.2 trillion. Um, a lot of that goes to the Department of Transportation, but there are other agencies, Department of Commerce, for instance, that have roles in implementing different facets of the bill. Do the agencies, do you think, have the resources that they need to really implement this? I'm talking workforce, um, technology, the skills. Well, they'll be, they'll be taxed, to say the least, to meet the responsibilities of this new bill. You look at the Department of Transportation, which annually spends about $25 billion, now has about $300 billion. Now, that's not just in one year. But even over time, that's a big new responsibility for that department. And you, you mentioned them, workforce. Uh, everybody's having a, a challenge recruiting and retaining people, um, getting contracts out, getting grants out. Um, and, and unlike many uh, infrastructure bills of the past, this bill creates new programs. So you're talking about, in addition to funneling money through traditional means, standing up whole new programs, whole new stakeholders, constituencies that the agency is going to have to deal with. So, uh, you know, if I had recommendations to make, it would be make sure you've got all the stakeholders at the table rowing in the same direction, know what goals and timelines they have to meet, and be agile so that, so that you're, you're uh, adjusting as new challenges emerge. Well, you mentioned getting contracts out. How quickly are they going to really need to get these contracts out, and are, are they going to be able to do that? Do they have the support to get that out? So it's a mix. Um, some of these contracts are going to be long-term. Some of these are going to be issued through state, local, private partners. Um, but in the short term, you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars that are going need to need to be issued in contracts really quickly. And as you know, government has a really tough time doing that quickly. They will be taxed. Now, the bill gives 
the agency heads enormous authority and money to oversee implementation, but you know, I, I don't know how big the pipes are to get all that money through that quickly. Um, I, I, you know, the, the president issued his management agenda today, which talks about improving the workforce, talks about improving customer experience, talks about building back better, improving our acquisition and financial management. Those are things that are, that are gonna help improve the blocking and tackling that agencies are gonna need to do to meet the challenges of this new legislation and legislation that's coming down the pike. Are there any agencies in particular that might have really, a really hard time getting this done? Well, you mentioned infrastructure. Congress may be about to enact the Build Back Better uh, legislation, which in one example gives the Department of Housing and Urban Development um, about $150 billion. That's an agency that traditionally spends about $60 billion a year. That is pretty short term. That does create a bunch of new programs. That's an agency that's had management challenges for many years. So, you know, uh, thinking about standing up the right group of, of leaders with the right resources to manage um, on a real-time basis the implementation of this law, the spending of these monies, the engagement with stakeholders, um, again, those, those are the kinds of challenges that agency is going to face. So, Robert, the White House recently put out an executive order and it established the uh, Infrastructure Implementation Task Force. How is that supposed to work and what's, what's it supposed to accomplish? The, one of the bywords of this administration is whole of government. They want everyone engaged in achieving its priorities. Infrastructure is a major priority. This is an unprecedented long-awaited investment in the nation's crumbling infrastructure, giving someone chief responsibility for ensuring that the agencies are taking their responsibility seriously, that they've got a, um, a project plan in place and a timeline by which they'll, uh, they'll get these resources out the door. That's really important. And uh, you mentioned it's an executive order signed by the president. So this new official uh, has the explicit authority of the president um, to really bring the resources of the whole of government together to focus on this important priority. So one last recommendation to an agency head, what do they need to do now to prepare? Make sure they are um, ensuring uh, that the agency understands these, this is a major priority, that they are assigning responsibility to the relevant people, bringing resources to bear on the implementation challenges so that they can execute these new responsibilities as quickly and efficiently and effectively as possible. All right, well, Robert, thanks so much. We'll see what happens. Thanks, Mimi. Coming next, how transparent is the spending data for federal agencies? Straight ahead on Government Matters, the gaps in that data collection and opportunities to improve the online information. You're watching WJLA 24-7 News. USAspending.gov is a public website promoting federal spending transparency, but the data behind that transparency is limited. The Government Accountability Office has made recommendations to enhance data quality and processes on the site. Michelle Sager is Managing Director of the Strategic Issues Team at the Government Accountability Office. Michelle, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. 
So the Data Act of 2014 requires that all federal agencies show spending data on that website, usaspending.gov. Can you tell me about this law and what it's intended to do? So the Data Act, the Digital Accountability and Transparency Act of 2014, is intended to improve the transparency and the accountability of federal spending data. And it does that in a couple of ways. In fact, it is an iteration in a prior statute that established the usaspending.gov website. And so the Data Act expanded on those requirements to make sure that data users could see all federal spending data. And it does that by requiring the Office of Management and Budget, or OMB, to establish consistent data standards so that when you go to the website and you look at information for one agency, you know that the definitions used are consistent across the entire federal government for example. It also required the U.S. Department of the Treasury to establish the technical specifications to make this happen. And then in order for all of it to work, it requires all federal agencies to submit their federal spending data to the website. So this and is what I wanted to ask you. Sorry, Michelle. This is what I wanted to ask you is, is the website, how the process works for agencies to show their expenditures? So it's a pretty technical process. I would definitely encourage any interested viewers to go to the GAO report, which explains kind of a visual schematic of how all the pieces come together. So I noted that OMB and Treasury are working behind the scenes to establish the technical specifications and the standards. And then you have more than 100 federal agencies that are submitting data primarily from seven different sources. Those data are then validated and they go into something called the Data Act Broker, which is the system that validates agencies' data as it comes in. And then in addition to that, you also have these nightly updates of government-wide systems for things such as contracts. So you have all of this coming together. It then goes into a database. And then when you and I go to usaspending.gov as data users, what we see reflects all of those individual pieces that have come together. And how are you able to assess the quality of the data feeding into the system? Because if you're getting bad data in, it, I mean, it doesn't matter what, it, it's just not good data. That's correct. And so it is a tremendous undertaking to make all of this happen. And so we, as always, try to be fair and balanced in our report. And we note that there has been incredible progress since 2014. And in order to assess that progress, we're primarily looking at three things. We're looking at timeliness, we're looking at completeness, and we're looking at accuracy. And so for this report, what we did is we looked at the data presented on the website and we compared that, for example, to the source data from agency systems. And, and what did you find, Michelle, about timeliness, completeness, accuracy? So for timeliness, it was generally timely. And what we mean by that is, for example, 83 of the 101 agencies submitting data for the period that we reviewed were submitted in a timely way. Uh, in terms of completeness, there were 19 of the 101 agencies that submitted data where you couldn't make that linkage between the outlay or obligation and the final award. And then in terms of accuracy, it was largely accurate, but we did find some inconsistencies and that led to the recommendations that we have in the report. And can you tell us some of the major recommendations in a kind of in a simple, easy to understand way? 
Definitely. So we made nine recommendations in this report, two to the Office of Management and Budget and seven to the U.S. Department of the Treasury, and they fall into a couple of categories. One regards basically data disclosures so that when you go to the website, if there are some inconsistencies in the data or if they might not be reported at the same time in the same way, that you as a consumer of the data understand what is happening. Uh, another set of recommendations regards making sure that when data are flagged for federal agencies as they submit their data, that the agencies know that is happening. So for example, we found some uh, inconsistencies in data where it wasn't clear why there were missing data. And it turned out that that was because a grant award went to multiple states. And so agencies need to know that and there needs to be a way to reflect that. And then a third category regards what we call business process controls to make sure that as all of this is happening, that there are controls in place so that it is happening, that agencies know when there are flags or inconsistencies, and that all of that works together. And Michelle, you interviewed agency officials about this. What were they telling you? So we talked primarily to the Office of Management and Budget and the Department of the Treasury, and this is largely a good news story and that the agencies are committed to transparency and accountability and getting it right. We recognize this is very much an iterative process. This is not something that happens easily or quickly, uh, but they were very interested in what we were finding. And it was really important for us to also understand that the methodology that we were using made sense from where they sit in terms of everything happening behind the scenes. So they're committed to implementing the recommendations. They agreed. And in fact, some of these simple fixes, such as the multi-state award that I mentioned, there's already work underway to make sure that those changes occur as soon as possible. And Michelle, finally, can the American public really be confident that what they're currently seeing on USAspending.gov is an accurate accounting of government spending? That's a great question. And as with any kind of uh, data consumption, I would say be data savvy to think about what is the purpose that you're going to use the data for and think about whether the data are fit for that purpose. There are some inconsistencies. There are some areas that we would like to see improvement in. But if you go to the website, you can see a tremendous amount of information. I would say just be be a professional skeptic. Think about the quality of the data. What's the original source? And then to the extent possible, triangulate that. Does it uh, meet the assumptions you might expect if you're looking at the source data from a particular agency or not? And then to also pay attention to the data disclosures and the limitations on the website to understand what it is that you're seeing, what time period it represents, and if there are limitations what those limitations are. All right, well, Michelle, thanks so much. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. You can find a link to that report at govmatters.tv slash resources. Up next, the government is posting help wanted ads for cybersecurity jobs. Straight ahead on Government Matters, reaching diverse talent while streamlining the hiring process. We'll be right back.
The U.S. has nearly half a million open jobs for cybersecurity across the country. That's according to CyberSeek, a job tracking database from the Commerce Department. Within the federal government, the Department of Homeland Security has hundreds of open positions just on its own and has created a new cyber management talent system. Ari Schwartz is former special assistant to the president and senior director for cybersecurity. He's currently managing director of cybersecurity services at Venable. Ari, welcome. Thank you for having me. So the federal government has around 1,500 open cybersecurity positions. What do you think has been the impact of those vacancies? Well, I think the problem is that a lot of those vacancies are in an advanced, in the advanced area, and it's hard to feed up to them. So I think that you have middle managers, I mean, uh, doing advanced jobs, and you have in more than one job at a time, and obviously that wears on uh, the ability to protect the, the nation in that way. So what's the new cyber management talent system going to include? It's going to try to build up and get the idea out there that you, that these cyber jobs are pay well, right? And, and that you, you can come in, um, there is a pathway to be, to start at a lower level, to go mid-level mid and to go to advanced level, and that the private, and that the, the public sector can compete with the private sector, not Totally, but certainly in those mid-level jobs, uh, I, I even see that in my practice as well. That uh, you know, the, the government has gotten better at competing um, with on the mid-level jobs. On the advanced jobs, it's, it's harder to um, compete for the for the private public sector to compete. You know, the salaries are going up, Ari, because we're talking about salaries of up to $255,000. That's the vice president's salary. And in some cases, even more. I mean, that's going to get people's attention. No, it really has. And like I said, I mean, you know, uh, as I was saying, you know, a CISO in the, in the private sector, they, a lot of them are making seven figures. So it's, it's gonna be hard to compete at that level. But at that mid-level, that is what they're making in the private sector, that, that quarter million. Uh, so that, that, I think that's where, really where uh, it is making a difference is being able to recruit that mid-level talent that then can feed up to the uh, advanced level and they can get experience and then maybe move to the private sector. Eventually, um, we're still gonna start to see that, but it will get more people into the government. So DHS plans to use competency-based assessments, which will actually test the applicant's abilities. I'm wondering why haven't, hasn't that been done in all high-tech hiring in the federal government? Well, because mostly they've tried to use the certification system that the private sector has put together. And I think um, that now, because they have this question about, uh, th there's so many of these different certifications um, and they mean different things, they wanna try and, uh, th there has been, you know, this effort to try and categorize these jobs and find out kind of specifically what these jobs do on a regular basis and then now build these kind of tests to them. So it's taken a while to get to this point. It's, a, it's an extremely complicated problem. I mean, you know, one of the issues is, right, you, we have a, a million, uh, uh, there's 500,000 job openings nationally, right? And then there's a million jobs um, out there. So in order to get fill those 500,000, you'd have to increase the workforce here by 50%, which is a, a, an amazing amount of uh, jobs to grow. So is this all gonna work, Ari? I mean, the higher salaries, the streamlined hiring, the, um, the testing, is this gonna not only work, but work fast enough for what we need? 
I don't know, I'm not sure it's going to work fast enough. It's going to be a slow process. Um, it's, it's improving already, but not quite to the speed that we needed to improve at. Uh, so I, I think that we're, we're still pushing uh, advancement at the edges. We're not quite getting enough talent into the system and not opening a, enough of the basic entry level jobs. You look at, you know, just looking at uh, the way that this categorized on CyberSeq, which is the website you were talking about before, you know, 20, there are 20,000 entry level jobs open, 70,000 mid level jobs, and 100,000 advanced jobs open um, nationwide, right? Uh, based on the, the, the categorizations that they have. Um, that's obviously not all the jobs, but the way that they categorize them. So that, that math just doesn't add up. You can't have, you, you need to have more people, more entry level jobs in order to be able to move people through the system. And we need to be able to focus on, we need, need to focus on that as well. There are some efforts to do that, but it's just very slow moving. So what are your recommendations for how the federal government can reach a younger talent and more diverse talent? And I guess that's, that's the big question, right? Yeah, I know the diverse talent is a key point to this as well. I mean, we cannot keep just hiring the same types of people and expect to expand the, the pool of, applic of, of applicants, right? We need it, more applicants for, for, for each job in order to be able to, uh, to get to that set. On the young side, it is really trying to figure out how to do these apprenticeships at scale, right? There have been a lot of programs to do apprenticeships, to bring people into government, to help them train, move them to mid-level jobs, Maybe we can keep them to advance in the advanced jobs. Maybe we lose them, but we've we've gotten to that point where we now we're building up the, the talent pool, building up the workforce, and that's really we need to do more. We need to do more to bring kind of this uh, level of uh, how do we get these basic jobs. All right. Well, let's hope it works, Ari. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. If you miss an episode of Government Matters, it's on our website at govmatters.tv. And don't forget, you can find every episode of our program on YouTube. Hit subscribe to see all the videos we post. That's the latest from Washington. Join me weeknights at 8 and 10.30 on WJLA 24-7 News and Sunday mornings at 10.30 on 7 News to stay plugged in on issues that matter to the business of government. Thanks for watching. I'm Mimi Gerges.